The verse that we're going to look at this morning, we're just going to look at one verse, is very familiar to me uh, because the seminary I went to had in the, well, it was kind of like a large classroom, but we called it the chapel, had this verse that's very similar to this from 1 Timothy. Paul said this twice to Timothy or something like it. It had it up on the wall in Greek. And so I think their thinking was, you're going to come in here, you don't know Greek, and you're going to see this, and you're going to wonder, what does this say? And then you learn Greek, and then you can read it. So I, I looked at this verse, or these thoughts, for every day we were in chapel for about three years. And um, I think it is just a beautiful passage that helps us understand how we live this new life that, that Jesus has given us. Um, and I talked to you last week, remember we talked about being vessels, and as vessels we are filled with something. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit, or we could be filled with being angry, or bitterness, or we could be filled with anxiety and fear. And so Paul, remember, we talked about cleansing ourselves so we can be those vessels useful to the Master. And it's not cleansing ourselves from sin in the sense of, you know, earning our salvation or anything like that. We're not earning favor with God. We have it. But we're living this cleansed life that Jesus died to give us. So how do we go about that? He said do it. Well, this week we're going to talk about how we do it. And so um, I want to read the verse out loud, then I'll pray for us and you pray with me. So here's the verse. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Now flee from youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. And thank you for inspiring Paul that he would write these words for us to study this is your word. And so just help us focus on it, put aside the things that distract us, and let us hear what you have to say to us. I pray that each person will walk away with something from you that they can put into practice. We don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of it. So bless us, I pray. Amen. Okay. So if you look at this verse, there are basically three parts. It's very simple in some ways, and yet really powerful. So there's three parts to this. There's a flee. We're supposed to flee something, and that word has the idea of, like, run for your life, you know. The second is pursue. There's something we should actively be pursuing. And then the third one is we do it with people. We do it with a certain group of people. We need to be in community. So let's talk about each of these three concepts. The first is we're supposed to flee youthful lusts. Now it's unfortunate, but the English word lust, we tend to associate with maybe just one sin, but the word means desire. So that passage I read from Luke earlier where Jesus said, I earnestly desire that's this same Greek word, lust. So oftentimes, the New Testament will talk about our desires in the context of them being, you know, 
evil or wrong desires, and it modifies it that way. Most often it's negative, but a few times, like that passage in, in the, it's a good desire. And so what we have to recognize is we have desires, but we aren't our desires. We live in a world that wants to say, I am my desires. Like, I have no control over my desires. I'm driven by my desires. I'm helpless with my desires. And that's not true. We have desires. We are not our desires. So, desires can change. Uh, true fact, slightly embarrassing. When I was a child, I sucked my thumb. Um, my parents thought it was cute to take a picture of me and my cousins sucking our thumbs. You know, great picture for the yearbook, you know? <laughs> um, I had a desire to suck my thumb. I do not any longer have a desire to suck my thumb. Thank you um, very much. So desires can change. And for us to say that desires dominate our lives, it's just not true to who we are as human beings. God gave us the ability to choose. We were made in the image of God. We were made to rule and reign. He gave us responsibility. We can see that exercised all around us as we see what people do with their lives. You, you, can, you can drive it through a neighborhood and you can see what people do with their houses and their homes, you know? You can see what people do with the land that they own. Some develop it and it's amazingly beautiful and, and others let it become something that's not. I mean, we have the ability to wreak change for good or evil in the world. And so when we say when Paul tells us to flee certain things, he's saying certain desires, you don't have to live them out. You don't have to act on them. Flee them. Run from them. So let's say that you had an, a desire, and let's just pick something simple. Let's say you were in a situation where you were really tempted to steal something. I know that's not something that you all struggle with. But let's just say you did. So in that situation, there's a physical object that you would like to possess, and you're thinking about taking it. If you contemplate that, standing near it, the probability of you acting on it and caving into your desire gets higher the longer you stay physically close to it, right? A simple way not to do it is to run! Get out of there, remove the possibility of... Again, another embarrassing truth. Um, Kathy and I, uh, we, we had this habit when our kids were little of having a no TV month, and we would, we would not watch TV for a month. The first year we did that, we had to give our TV away. Like, we had to, you know, like, have somebody take it out of the house. That was, that was how bad it was. That's an example of fleeing, okay? But what happens when it's, in your head. Like there's some things we can physically free, flee from, but what do we do with thoughts? Maybe you're really, really angry at somebody. How do you stop that? How do you flee from your brain? Well, think about how sometimes somebody will sing one of those annoying songs that gets stuck in your head, and it goes over and over again, and it's like, I don't want this going on in my head. But it still does. If you've ever had that, the best way to fight that is to get a better song in your head 
that competes with it. So one of the things you have control over is what you take in, what you read, what you watch. Do you remember the last time you had a bad dream? I'm almost positive you did not go to bed thinking, oh, I hope I have a nightmare tonight. Like, none of us, none of us want that. So last time I had a bad dream, I realized that we'd been watching a TV show that was about solving a murder, and I'd, um, you know, I dreamed about a murder. Like, that was not a pleasant dream, but it was directly related to what I put into my mind. So we have control over what we take in. We have control over what we focus on. That's a power that we have, God has given us. So the best way for us to think about how we flee youthful lusts, the best way to do that is to think about what we're putting in. So we run, we, we, we don't stay in places of temptation, but then we fill ourselves with good things, and that's where this next thought comes in about pursuing. So just remember, you have desires, you're not your desires. Desires can change. We can control what we fill ourselves with. And that's going to affect us in this next step. So the next thing that he says is pursue, and he gives us four words. Now, the, the passage in 1 Timothy, it's very, very similar to this. He has a different list, um, some of these same words. But these are a great summary. Pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace. So let's go back to that situation where you're really angry at a coworker. So think about this list instead. How can I pursue love for that coworker? Remember, love is seeking to do good, seeking the good of another. How can you do something that blesses them? That would be a great way to kind of change the mental framework. Or how could I pursue peace with this person? Or Where's faith in the midst of this? I talked, you know, when we were doing communion about how often Israel couldn't trust God, even though they walked through the Red Sea. You would think somebody that walked through the Red Sea, watching the water on both sides, would have some concept of the power of God. Just saying. And yet, how often do we, knowing how God has already worked in our life, faced with a new situation, our first reaction is to be scared, anxious, worried, and try to figure out how we're going to fix this, and not to turn to God, expecting that he's got this. So, we don't, you, you don't just try to be a negative. The Christian life is, is not about not doing things. It's about doing things. See, if you just think about it, if it was just about not doing things, then the person who sat alone at their house and did nothing would be righteous. Uh, probably not. Because there's an absence of the good things God has called us to. I've been reading this book. It's been a hard book to read because it's, it's one of those more scholarly ones, and it's dense, but it's called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And if you think about the first couple of centuries, it was, it was scary to be a Christian because you could get killed for it. 
And so you didn't walk into a Christian service. They wouldn't let you. But the way you followed Christ was you were talked to someone who was a believer. And then as you kind of went through this process, they had a process of discipling you and training you before you ever took communion and before you ever were baptized. But in the context of that, one of the writers who was writing the kinds of things that this is what we teach people, he made this statement, and apparently it was a statement that was common in North Africa at the time. He said, we do not preach great things. We live them. So if you pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, what kind of person are you going to be? If you pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace in your work environment, in your neighborhood, what kind of light are you going to be? When Peter talks about having a defense for people who ask you, why do you have hope? Is there any evidence of that? I am dismayed at the a level of fear that has risen, raised, rised, risen in our country. People are so afraid. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. So, flee, pursue, but then with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You see, you can't do this by yourself. You're not supposed to do it by yourself. You're not supposed to live this kind of isolated life. We need each other. One of the first things that God said was not good was for Adam to be alone. We need each other. You need to be in community. One of the things that's been difficult about this past year was community has been hard. I get it. But we need each other. You can't do this by yourself. You need to be around some people of like mind. And this is a beautiful picture. Be with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. When you hang out with people who love Jesus, you can talk about, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? There is something powerful about admitting some of the you know, rotten thoughts that we have to someone else because you shed light on it. And Jesus works in the light. I have somebody I could confess my dirty, rotten attitudes to. It is incredibly freeing to name them out loud. It's like, Light floods in, and secrets are dangerous. So you need community. You can't do this by yourself. So there's three simple steps for us to cleanse ourselves in the way that Paul is talking about. There's some things we flee. We don't stand and argue with them. We run. There's some things we pursue. We pursue righteousness. We figure out what that looks like. We pursue faith. We figure out what that looks like. We think of how do I raise my level of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What are you taking in? What are you drinking in? We pursue love. Love means we seek the good of those around us. And we pursue peace. How can we bring the oil of peace into the environments where we work? 
and we do this in community. Now, obviously, we don't, hanging out with people who know Jesus and love Jesus doesn't mean we don't ever hang out with people who don't. They need to see this. I mean, we have these kind of communities and we invite people into relationship and they can witness that. What did Jesus say? They are going to know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. They are not... They are not going to know us by the fact that we pass theology tests with perfection. We have made teaching of truth more important than living truth. And brothers and sisters, that is not good. So Paul wisely tells us, flee youthful lusts. Don't get caught up in in foolish arguments. Don't get caught up in foolish desires. Give yourselves to something solid. Do that in community. And that is what the early church did. They lived great. And that is what changed the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just how simple this is and yet how profound it is that you have made us for yourself. And when we fill ourselves with your word and good things in community, our lives transform. And we become the beautiful, the beautiful light that you intend us to be. So bless us, Father, to be this blessing in the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.